Creative Coaching Podcast, where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Brian Shea. Coach Shea is the head varsity boys basketball coach at Adams Street Academy in Brooklyn, New York. We talked to him today about running your program at the level that you want it to be, to be a part of something bigger than yourself, to be a lifelong learner, and to read a lot. We also talked to him about his fourth annual basketball coaches clinic that he has coming up in the month of October. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on, Coach Shea. Uh, I, I've, I've had a good number of college coaches, uh, some guys who have been at the professional ranks, uh, but I've yet to have a, high, a current high school coach on. So you're kind of a, a, kind of a guinea pig with high school coaches in that sense and in, in, in the first. So uh, here again, want to hear your perspective, kind of want to hear, you know, your background, where you coached at, where you played at, all those things, your experiences. So I'm going to start it off like I start off every podcast in that. How were you introduced to the game? Uh, you know, growing up, growing up in Brooklyn, New York, you get a lot of uh, opportunities to do different things and play sports and, I actually had a, a unique upbringing in the aspect of I grew up in the same church in Brooklyn that uh, the NBA Hall of Famer Chris Mullen grew up in. Wow. So we, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas in Brooklyn is a, kind of a, a storied parish in the terms of basketball and just mostly because of, you know, everyone knew that Chris Mullen was from that parish and I went to the same elementary school that he went to and I grew up around the block from where he grew up. So. I've known the, the Mullen family a long time, and I used to work Mullen camps when I was growing up. But you know, the the sports program at the parish was you know always active in the school, and my parents were very big on my siblings and I being involved in athletics and and making commitments to things and and being someone that you know kept their word and tried out different things. So I played everything growing up. I played soccer. I played baseball. I played basketball. And you know, I started playing basketball at St. Thomas Aquinas in about third grade, and you know, I kind of just fell in love with the game. I was never very talented, but you know, I worked real hard. I was always a good teammate, and you know, it kind of kind of grew from there. You know, it's funny that a lot of my coaches when I was growing up, and I'll never forget my fifth grade basketball coach, Mr. John Fields, telling me that you know he knew that he knew then that I was going to be a coach. You know, when I was in fifth grade, and and that kind of always stuck with me. I guess as I grew older, and I and I kept playing. Yeah. You know, I was fortunate. I played I, I played basketball at uh. And I'd been prepped in Brooklyn, small Catholic high school. And then uh, I got recruited to play basketball at Brooklyn College for four years. And, and my, that was the end of my playing career. Coach, so, you know, here again, you talk about growing up in a parish. And you know, I remember growing up playing CYO basketball and all that. Really good times, man. <clears throat> really good, solid uh, grassroots, if you will, times. So, Coach, what was your experience as a player? I know you said... You got it. You got recruited and all that uh, to go play at Brooklyn College. Uh, what was that like for you? Was it something that while you were doing that, like you said, from a young age, you wanted to be a coach? Would did you figure that out after your playing career? Like, 
I need I want to stay in the game. I mean, how how did how do those two correlate? I think that I, I always had a very firm grasp of the you know the mental side of the game. I, I think at a young age I learned of you know that I could have make up for athletic deficiencies. I guess would be the best way to put it. You know, not being the fastest, not being the tallest kind of thing with, you know, just being smarter and working harder than a lot of people around me. And I think that, you know, started translating, you know, as I got older and I started getting a little bit better as a player, that that edge, you know, became a, something that I could utilize a little bit more where I was a little bit smarter. I was still not the most athletic person on the court, but, you know, I, I got a lot better throughout my time in high school just from, you know, being a student at the game, constantly wanting to learn and, and really trying to harness what, what my strengths were and, and just be a, someone that was a good teammate and someone that was coachable and someone that could always be relied on for the, you know, from their coaching staff or from their, from their teammates. So, you know, when I was playing in college, I remember being on a road trip my freshman year and my college coach was one of my you know biggest mentors of my life, Steve Sadias. And he, he, he just told me that he, he, he saw it in me that he, that I could be a good college coach one day and that he could see me taking over the program from, from him one day. And then that really stuck with me from an aspect of, you know, here I was an 18 year old kid and I, I really didn't think I knew anything yet, but, you know, my coach saw something in me that, that he valued and it, and he thought, you know, that could be developed into a good coach one day. And that, that meant a lot to me. You know, there's a lot to be said for coaches who can see stuff in other people, especially their players who will eventually be their former players. And then kind of having an idea to say, Hey, look, here's what can happen. Here's a, here's a scenario. I'll paint you a picture. I retire, you take over. I get to watch you from the stands, get stressed out. I get to, you know, enjoy it, have some popcorn. You know, I, I, <laughs> I've had those conversations with some of my players in that. I said, hey, you know, what would be great is you go off to college, get your degree, teaching, you know, Canise, whatever, and then come back and I'll, you know, kind of take you under my wing and then you take over the program because I feel like, you're you're an extension of who I am, and not only that, you'd be a better version. And so, you know, stuff like that. It's it's really great to have those type of people in your life, like Coach Padias, like you're saying. You know, to kind of see you in that light, uh, it had to be very, very, uh, you know, just you know, it empowers you, and you feel like, yeah, 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 yeah. Now I know, like this is what I want to do. So, kind of gives you clarity. So, Coach, you know who or maybe what directly influenced you to really kind of get into coaching? I think that uh, I was fortunate. I had a lot of good coaches growing up. You know, I, I I said it to somebody the other day. I haven't not had a basketball season since I was in third grade. Yeah. So, you know, whether as a player or a coach, I've been involved in the basketball season since third grade. Wow. And, you know, I, I played – you know, I played CYO on BCBA with St. Thomas, and then you know, I played high school at St. Edmunds, and I was always playing on different teams in the summers. So I, I think I was around a lot of strong men, you know, and women that, that empowered me to to try to be a leader and taught me a lot about leadership. So I, I can't say that it was any one person. I know that, you know, my coach Padias had a, a lot of influence on me as a when I was a player and, and as a young coach. I was. I recruit. I was out recruiting a week after my college playing career ended. You know, he, wow. he was. He basically said that you know you're going to be on the staff next year. You're coming with me. So I, I wasn't even a month out of playing in college, and 
I was now recruiting at, at an event with him and he was introduced to the coaches and, you know, that kind of started a world, uh, you know, whirlwind in terms of I was 22 years old and, you know, had a part-time coaching job in college and I was still finishing classes and then I started grad school. So it was a lot to take on and he gave me a lot of responsibility right away. He wasn't, he wasn't someone that tried to baby me, you know, maybe to a fault at times because, yeah. you know, I, I became someone that thought, you know, that never really got groomed as much as I got, you know, forced into the fire. Yeah. And, you know, I think that helped me a lot more now that I realized what I, that I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, but when I was, when I was a younger coach, you know, I thought that, you know, things were only a certain way. And I, now I, since I've become much more of a, a lifelong learner in terms of you know, growing my craft and, and trying to do the best as I can because I'm so passionate about it that, you know, I, I know that, you know, a lot of people have had, had an influence on me to this day. That's awesome, Coach, and that's great that you can see that uh, because that's, uh, you don't get anywhere you need to get in life on your own. Uh, it's very rare that that ever happens. But when it, you talk about athletics, when you talk about basketball in a team concept, you definitely don't get anywhere by yourself. You've got to know people. You've got to forge and build relationships and uh, kind of go through those avenues and channels to really get to where you feel fulfilled in that, you know, again, working with young people. It's always a, it's a great thing to do uh, when you've learned how to, you know, be led. Then you know how to lead. So I think that's really important. So, Coach, you know, where you're at now at Adams Street Academy there in Brooklyn, uh, when you think about, you know, your players and your program, what do you consider to be your non-negotiables when it comes to building that program? You know, when I I took over at Adams Street um, four years ago, I guess five now, because I'm about to start my fifth season, and, you know, I'd come into a a program that, I was I got the job late in September. You know, I, I had finished coaching at Brooklyn College and there was you know, my college coach ended up uh stepping down after my third year coaching with him and then, you know, there's an interview process and you know, I thought I was gonna be, you know, a candidate for the job and you know, I interviewed and I ended up not getting it. So I stayed one year and then I decided to to not um to pursue a head coaching opportunity or other coaching opportunities. I was all set to go to go coach at Manhattan Community College with one of you know one of my best friends and mentors, Nolan Adams, who's to this day one of the best coaches I've ever met. And uh, you know, I got a call late September to, to interview at this high school. Someone had recommended me for it, and you know, I went in on the interview kind of blind and didn't know a lot about it. You know, I knew who the coach before me was because he was a family friend, but I had never really been around the program. And you know, I, I found out that they had uh, they had 14 wins in, in 10 years of their school's history wow. before I got there. So uh, there was not a um, and, and most and all 14 wins had come in the previous three years. So there was not a lot of history of of winning in basketball. It was I, I learned after you know having some success there that teams used to uh, look look forward to that game on the schedule. Yeah. So my biggest thing about when I got well, that's the biggest thing about get when I got there is that I wanted to change the image and, and change how people viewed it in terms of, you know, in the city. And first of all, in the school, I wanted to develop a culture that, you know, people, the, the school was happy to have a basketball team and, and wanted to support it and, and valued it, you know, in the school building, in the school community. So, 
you know, having instilling that in my players was my first was my first goal that, you know, being a part of our program is something that they should be proud of and that they should take pride in and and they want to others to take pride in as well. And it, it was definitely an uphill battle because like I said, the school hadn't had a an athletic culture at all or, or at least a basketball culture from the boys basketball standpoint before I had gotten there with my coaching staff. And um, you know, so I really wanted to, to build a commitment level. I told them I they, you know, vividly remember my first interest meeting a week after accepting the job about telling them that, you know, I had played in coaching college the previous eight years and running a college basketball program or being a part of a college basketball program was all that I knew. So that's what I was going to continue to do there. And I was going to run it as close to a college program as a high school program could be in terms of the level of commitment and, and the, you know, the, the level of attention to detail that the coach, that they would get from their coaching staff and what would be expected them of, of them as players. So I think the biggest thing that I tried to instill right away was that, you know, we were going to run it like a college program and that they better be prepared to, to value that and really be committed to that or else, you know, they weren't going to make it. And, I, you know, I wanted, more importantly, I wanted my players, and I'm a big believer in this just as a person, that it's very important to be a part of something that's bigger than you. And, you know, a lot of people in, in today's society is, are about themselves or wrapped up in phones and everything like that. And, and there's not as much as of a focus and an appreciation for being a part of something that's bigger than you are and, and means more than just you. And it's not just about you. Yeah. So yeah. I really tried to instill that in, in my players. And, you know, for, for a program that had 14 wins in 10 years before I got there, we had 15 in our first season. Wow. And, and the second year we were second year we were twenty four and five and we were third in New York City and we were sixth in New York State for our class. Wow. So we had a we had a turnaround that was, was pretty substantial and you know, nobody except us I guess saw it coming. Yeah. But I, I know that as much as, you know, everything that we built in terms of culture had everything to do with that. You know, basketball between the lines had Nowhere near as much to do with what was, you know, instilled in our guys from a from a culture standpoint, and and what we were not going to accept from them as, you know, young men and as students and as and as basketball players. Like they they knew what the standards were, and and working hard to meet those are was what really led us to 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 have the success that we've had and continue to have. And as of today, we have seventy five wins in four years, so I guess we're trending wow. upward. Yeah, no, I will say so, Coach. I mean. Man, you went from hey, let's let's schedule them for senior night, uh, kind of a patsy, to now, oh man, we've got them win, and you got kind of there's there's going to be more preparation for you. <laughs> there's going to be more uh, sleepless, maybe hours or minutes for whoever's coaching, you know, on the other end. But yeah, no, that's a great turnaround, coach. I mean, a lot of programs like that, uh, you either it's you know fight or flight, man. You see. <laughs> You either kind of say, let me get through this season and whatever we do, you know, will be good enough. And then I'll look for another job somewhere else and uh, kind of, you know, fly the coop. But you dug your heels in, man, and you said, nah, we, we're going to go for this. And yeah, that's a great job, coach. It's a, it's a phenomenal job because I know at the high school level, having done it for so many years, uh, it's like it's, it's, it's different. It's different to get buy-in. Uh, there's no scholarship on the line in the sense there's no, uh, you know, it's harder to hold their feet to the fire at times than it is, say, for a college or a pro uh, situation. 
so yeah, uh, you know, hats off to you, coach, for that. That's fantastic to hear the turnaround. Now, you know, culture builds that. Now, uh, how can you better prepare yourself? Because you know, your success, like you said, you're trending upwards. You, you've seen some success now. How do you better prepare yourself in the off season, coach? I think that as I've gotten older and and really focus on what's important. I think everybody, as they get older, realize that their circle gets smaller and what they value changes and, and they really focus on what, what means a lot to them. And, you know, to me, I've, I've been a, you know, I'm, I'm a physical teacher and a basketball coach and that's what I've known for the last eight years. And, you know, I really want to make sure that I'm always growing in those things in terms of how I can connect to my students differently and my, how I connect to students is a little bit different than how I connect to my players because the age ranges are so vast. And on any day, I can be teaching a five-year-old in, in my phys ed class and, and be getting on an 18-year-old for not running back on defense. So there's a, a big, <laughs> yeah. a big, uh, a big age range and yeah. in, 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 in between things. So, um, you know, I think I, I realized that it's important to be a lifelong learner and I, I've really tried to read a lot of leadership books and, and different you know, books about culture and, and story programs and, and, you know, listen to podcasts like yours and other things that can maybe alter or change my view, viewpoint on things or give me different perspectives on things that I thought I was well-versed in. And, you know, I think that I've, one thing I've really focused on this summer is uh, I've always thought that my, you know, I guess my, the thing I could work on the most from a, from a coaching standpoint was being a better uh, coach in terms of, developing skill you know skill development you know i think that part of my my lack of of confidence in that has always been i was never a very skilled player i i was always someone that worked really hard and you know and and got by that way and just on grit and things like that I, obviously i was skilled enough to play in college and and fortunate to do so but i also know that a lot of my ability to be a you know a college basketball player had to do with my work ethic and my drive rather than my natural ability so one yeah. thing I've worked on this summer has really been, you know, getting in the gym with our guys or even other guys that I that I coach or know in in Brooklyn and just putting them through drills and trying different things and getting their feedback and seeing how they like it and and really trying to become a better skill development coach and I think I'm I've grown in that area for sure this summer but I also know that my ability to conceptualize certain things in basketball has helped me close that gap quicker. And I realized how I could, you know, explain to them how things that we were working on would come up in the game and really help help them learn to visualize it and things like that. And that kind of made me more comfortable and it became more of a teaching thing rather than I wasn't, you know, confident in my skill development acumen, you know, and, and yeah. that's, that's been a big focus for me in this, this off season. And I continue to, you know, like I said, read and, and watch videos and listen to podcasts and you know, talk to coaches that I have a high level of respect for in, in, in the game of basketball and, and really try to become more well-rounded. That's great, Coach, because that's what it, it – you know, being around the game so long, uh, I – you know, I look to improve, you know, as far as player development, skill development in particular. Uh, the player development, you know, as far as who they are, uh, the mental aspect of it, I've always been kind of into that anyways, but the skill part of it, the game came too natural to me that I didn't, I thought to myself, how am I going to teach what I've done? 
how am I going to teach it when I just came kind of innately or whatever? And, uh, you know, the more and more my, my off seasons are dedicated to how do I help them get more skilled up? Uh, you know, early on, you teach kids, like you're talking about, you know, having to instruct a five-year-old. You know, I started off coaching four and fives. And uh, so, yeah, the skill was just, hey, dribble the ball with your right and then maybe with your left consistently enough. Uh, and so I, I came to a point where I was like, yeah, well, I'll leave the skill work to the skill guys, the guys who have a real passion for that. But then I thought, why can't I have a passion for it? I used to. Let me get back to that. Let me get back into that realm. And because I'm ripping off my players by not putting an emphasis on it. And then my whole paradigm shifted. Started dedicating more time to, to skill development, you know, and, and, and the like. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying completely, Coach. And it's great that you can, you're again, being a lifelong learner, uh, look for those, uh, those nooks and crannies in your coaching toolbox where you've kind of left some things uh, un, unfilled. And then you can kind of get your fill of those. So, Coach, uh, you know, what influences you to do what you do every day? Because you're, you, you've run down kind of, you know, how you're turning things around where you're at and, you know, how, you, how you're looking to get better. But what, what drives you? What influences you to do all that? Yeah, I think that a lot of my passion for teaching, you know, comes from my mother. And my mother was a pre-K teacher for... 25 years and so I grew up watching her you know, have such an impact on, on children's lives and the way that she connected with them and so even though like I didn't start out as a physical education major in college I, I really kind of gravitated towards it after my first semester just because I felt like it was natural um I think that uh I have a an, an, an innate an innate ability to connect with children um, you know, and I, I really enjoy teaching younger children in terms of, you know, I teach at a K-8 school from, as my, you know, as my nine to five job, as they would say. And so I, I'm passionate about like just being someone that the, the kids could rely on and, and really trust and, and someone they could feel comfortable around and, and, you know, really learn to know that they can come to me about things. And, you know, I, I was always a big believer that you should be the, the teacher or the mentor or the coach that, that either you had when you were younger or you wish you had. And, yeah. and as, I, yeah. as I alluded to earlier, you know, I was fortunate to have a lot of good coaches that I, I still talk to, you know, to this day and the coaches that I had when I was eight, nine years old. And so, and I, I growing up at St. Thomas, it was, it was definitely like, I would be there on Sunday for CYO or BCBA at 10 o'clock in the morning. And if we had a home game that day and we played in that gym, I was not leaving that gym till eight, eight nine o'clock that night i did my homework there i i learned to do the clock i i know everything about that gym because that's what my childhood was yeah i, I know that you know that a lot of my passion from for my job what i do is, is i've been around i've been around teaching and mentorship my whole life and, I, and i've been fortunate to have good ones so you know from a teaching perspective i really enjoy going to work every day and i teach the whole school so i like i said i could get uh, five-year-olds to 13 year olds and everyone in between and so I get to develop different relationships with different students at different paces, and and as a as a high school and as a college coach, first when I when I first started, I was I was so young. I was coach, my first year. I was coaching my teammates you yeah. know, that I had just played with the year before, and I think because I was a captain my senior year, and I was someone that really knew the ins and outs of the program, it was pretty it was pretty a, pretty much a seamless transition. But you know, as I grew older, and I, I really I started recruiting, and you know, I ended up recruiting 
you know, something around 20 guys to work in college in four years that, you know, I really started developing that relationship where it was more than just player coach. You know, it was like I was a mentor to them. I was helping them decide what their career paths were going to be and, and, you know, how they deal with different things and, you know, real life issues that pop up and, and how to, how to go about that. And then, you know, when I transitioned to being a high school coach, I, I realized that I had a, had a special opportunity to, to really be involved in the lives of, you know, young men that might not have necessarily had a, had a strong male figure in their lives before. And you know, I was fortunate that well, the year I started, I had, you know, three of my best friends coaching with me that were volunteering, just wanted to be a part of the program. And, you know, I think the, the four of us really, you know, try to lay a foundation for our guys that, you know, that they, they can rely on us and they can trust us in terms of, you know, we had guys from, you know, our, you know, our players come from all, all over Brooklyn and New York City, and you know some of them live in some, some rough situations. And you know, I think the best thing that that we can say is that you know we've graduated 100 percent of our players in four years, and that, and that means a lot coming out of New York City. Yeah. And um, you know, someone asked me earlier, earlier in the summer, like, what was my favorite moment coaching so far? And I remember at the end of my first year coaching. Uh, I got a text from one of my players, my seniors. I was, you know, we had just lost a really tough playoff game. We had gotten underseeded uh, in the playoffs and ended up going to the number two seed at their gym, and, and we really blew the game. We were, we were tied with, you know, 30 seconds left and ended up losing by two in a tough play. We missed a bunch of free throws, and we definitely should have won. Yeah. And he just, you know, he just texted me thanking, thanking me so much for, you know, everything that we had done for him. You know, he had bailed off his first two years before we had gotten there, and he got through the whole season with us. He was academically eligible. He, he said his mom was crying when he got accepted to college, and and you know that that really changed my, um, you know, my perspective on how fortunate I was to have that job. Where I, you know, maybe in the beginning of that year, I was still upset that I, you know, I I didn't get the head coaching opportunity I thought I was going to get at Brooklyn College, and yeah, you know, I think that that kind of gave me a perspective of you know maybe I'm supposed to be here at this moment, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, sometimes perspective comes when it through disappointments, uh, and then realizing that those disappointments were the way out of a bigger disappointment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. so, sometimes you think, "Man, why am I here? Why did this happen?" I've been through that, coach, and you know, I think to myself, you know, had this not happened, I, I wouldn't be in a better place. You know, this is a better place for me now. Where what I'm doing, where I'm at like you talked about kind of being where you are. So with that coach, you know, your time, you know, at the high school level through the school through school ball, what what was your experience like when you had, you know, here again you're talking about connecting with players and, and the kids that you're with on a daily basis. What was it like connecting with young people and kids when you were uh working with the New York Jayhawks? Can you kind of run down that experience for me? Uh yeah, you know, I was fortunate to, to get an opportunity to coach with the New York Jayhawks this summer and you know I've known the director the executive director of the New York Jayhawks Jay David for a long time you know we connected years ago working in group together and it was always uh you know I, he wanted me to get involved I wanted to get involved in but the timing never really lined up and uh this summer you know uh an opportunity opened up to get on you know on his coaching staff you know for the the live period in July, and I and I, I jumped at that opportunity, and it was a it was a really life changing experience in terms of how much I learned in such a short period of time. And you know, I 
had always heard such negative stigmas about AAU basketball and, you know, what it's done to the game and different things like that. So I guess I had shied away from it a little bit because, you know, what you heard, you sometimes you think it's true. And I think that, you know, maybe it's true in some aspects and in some places, but the, the way that Jay leads the New York Jayhawks is a, is a special, you know, a special thing. And, you know, the quality of the young men that he has in that program that they built is, is substantial. And, you know, it was, I was fortunate enough to, to coach with both the 16s and 17s this summer and, and got to coach some really good players in terms of, you know, from a national standpoint, guys that are getting high major looks and all that. You wouldn't know it based on how they carry themselves. They're humble young men. They're great students. They're extremely polite. You know, we had zero issues in hotels and on any plane trips we took and it was it was really a humbling experience and something that I look forward to building on and you know I, I learned so much from just the the poise that Jay showed and, and the leadership that he the way he empowers his coaches to, to be a part of the program early and the way that the guys rallied around each other was a true family atmosphere and you know it really being around that kind of you know talent from a basketball standpoint was great but just that kind of passion from you know jay and, and drew metz that you know the two leaders of the program and you know my the guy i coached with a great great guy named dante bleed you know that kind of passion and and you know really never-ending drive to help young people and and to to, to be a product and proponent of change it, it was something that really really inspired me through the rest of the summer and going to the fall to, to really want to you know, be a vehicle of change as best as I can in every aspect of my life. And, you know, I'm thankful for that. And I really look forward to growing with the New York Jayhawks in the future. And, and I know that you know, the best is in front of us. You, you know, Coach, you said something, and, and I think most of us as coaches who have been a part of uh, either the high school level or college level, our interaction with the AAU, AAU guys, like the, as they say, uh, you know, yeah, there's a stigma out there. And like you said, some of it's true, some of it's not. Uh, but when you link up with one that that it's true blue, and and you know kind of runs things with integrity, you can see it through the players. Uh, not necessarily the success of the players, because you know that that's kind of in and of itself up to the player. Uh, but you see it in the kids' uh, disposition during games, during you know in the middle of a game, during between games, how they're taken care of. Uh, to me, that's the biggest sign of whether an AU, uh, you know, whether AU personnel are really taking care of their players is, you know, even the loyalty. Uh, that says a lot because there's no loyalty in AU basketball yeah. when it comes from players in, in, a, in, yeah, a, in I, a sense. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's a big deal when you find the right program that you can – partner up with and be a part of because they're doing right by the kids i think i think the the best thing i can say for you know the jayhawks and everything that you know jay stands for as a as a, as a director and as a person is that you see a lot of programs that allow their their best players you know their guys to to do whatever they want and to act however they want and because you know they think that the player thinks that the, the coach needs them, the program needs them more than they need them kind of yeah. thing. And I think the best thing that we can, you know, that I can say about the Jayhawks is that the best players are, 
are extensions of the coaching staff. They're, there's, you know, selfless young men. You know, we had, like I said, you know, on both teams, we have high quality players, but, you know, Andre Curbelo, the, the point guard for the New York Jayhawks is one of the top point guards in the country and yeah. how he carries himself on a daily basis. You, you would never know that, you know, he was that good and he has every school in the country calling him and he's just a, is a really good young man. And I think a lot of that has to do with his relationship with Jay and how Jay has, has mentored him and groomed him so that, you know, he was prepared for, you know, this, this coming year and going into his senior year and, and how he's going to have to deal with the college, you know, process and where, where he chooses to go. And that, that could be said about a lot of the seniors that we had on the, you know, the, the rising seniors that we had on the 17, Zed Key, who just had an official visit to Ohio, Ohio State, you know, Liam Murphy, Isaiah Gray, Shamar Laddie, and it just goes on and on about the quality of men that we, they had in the 17s and the 16s, you know, Max Ragusa and Andres Marrero and just, quality young men that are that are taught how to be good young men and that are going to be well way more prepared for their their lives in college and beyond because of being a, a member of the Jayhawks and a lot of a lot of other kids in the AAU scene can say that that I can attest to yeah no when when guys are doing things right the relationships are transformational and not transactional and here again that's kind yeah. of that's kind of another telltale sign of a of an actual program that's doing things the right way so, Coach, we talk about kind of your involvement in the game overall. I also want to talk about a clinic that you uh, host, uh, facilitate. I want you to kind of run down for us, you know, for our coaches that are listening, about the clinic that, that you that you put on, uh, you know, where it's at, location, times, who you're going to have speaking, if you could. Oh, for sure. You know, one one thing that, you know, I'm sure – any high school coach listening or any, anyone who's coached high school or AAU in the past can attest to is it's, it's tough working for a program that, that doesn't get uh, financial support from, you know, the, whoever's backing that program. And, you know, the school that all my boys go to at Adam Street campus is a very good academic high school, but they allocate all their resources towards their academics and they really don't give anything towards athletics. So anything that we've, we've raised over the, the last four years has been raised by, you know, by us and our efforts as a, as a coaching staff and, and my players as well. So, you know, after my first year, I was trying to think of different ways that I could, you know, raise money and be creative. And one thing that I realized is that my, one of my biggest strengths is that I'm, I'm somewhat of a gregarious personality. I'm, I'm fairly well connected in New York city basketball. I've known, I've worked a lot of the camps. I've done the hoop group circuit and, you know, the hoop group has always been very good to me and I've worked various college camps and Knicks camp. And so I've just, I've been around basketball in the city a lot and I, and I'm, I'm connected with a lot of people and and recruiting when I was in college. So I think I have a very different um, network than a lot of people might have because I have, you know, a little bit of friends in every place kind of thing. And, yeah. I just thought it would be really cool if I could I could put together a coaches clinic and 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 more important than being a fundraiser for the high school program that I run, I really wanted to to give back to the coaching community in in New York City because I think over the last ten years or so, and it it'll sound like I'm just saying since I left high school basketball as a player, but I just think that the quality of teaching in New York City basketball is not as high as it used to be. I think it's you know we still have very talented players and 
and very good coaches, but I just in terms of the the quality of consistent teaching in, in basketball and, and youth and high school basketball levels in, in New York City could could be a lot better. And you know, I think when when I was younger, I might not have thought that I needed to go to a coaches clinic because I thought you know I was young and every young coach needs to know everything. And as I got older, I realized that. Uh, being a lifelong learner is important, so I wanted to to use my network to to provide that platform. You know, and I've you see a lot of coaching clinics cost a lot of money for not you know for something that any coach any good coach would be able to say. And I think I'm a big believer in that. You know, I think if you go back and you listen to a lot of high major coaches, the, the the bigger coaches that everybody knows, they would say that some of the best coaches they know are small college coaches. Yeah. And so I think that providing a coaches clinic that that you know ha, that features coaches from smaller schools or division 3 or high schools would be the best thing for you know local coaches because they they get somebody that they can connect to that's not so unreachable as other people that in, in the you know the college basketball circuit they might not know so yeah my first year running the clinic I think we had about 40 coaches and you know then my second year we had about 52, 55 coaches, and last year we cleared 70. And you know, wow. going into my fourth year, I, I'm, I'm really trying to. My goal for this kind of thing one to have 100 coaches in the, in the gym, and, and yeah. that would be extremely humbling from from my perspective. Just because I think that's awesome that coaches are in the gym, they're networking, they're talking, and some of the coolest, you know, one of the coolest things that would happen to me at you know professional development as a phys ed teacher is someone that I kind of recognized but didn't know where I knew them from would come up to me and be like, oh, man, I was at your coaching clinic last year. It was great. You know, I can't wait for this year. And, yeah. you know, that really kind of inspired me to, to do a little bit more. And you know, I've been I've been fortunate, you know, through my, through my experiences as a player, as a coach, and working camps and things like that. I've met a lot of coaches that, you know, I could ask for, you know, I could ask for help if they want to, would be willing to get back with me. And so my first year I had, you know, one of my really good friends in, in coaching is, is TJ Tiz, is now the head coach of college of Staten Island. At the time, he was an assistant coach at Baruch, and he came down and spoke. And my college coach from Brooklyn College, Steve Padais, came down and spoke. And my one of, like I said before, one of my, be- my best friends, Nolan Adams, he was coming off a championship season at Manhattan Community College. He came down and spoke. And, you know, I had two of the best young skills trainers in New York City, they, you know, Harry Hazen and Steven Diaz, guys that I coached at Brooklyn College, and they, they run a, a skill development company called Run the City Training, and they came down and spoke. And, you know, the, the feedback from the, that first year was great. You know, I had like, lots of other good speakers there, and, and I tried to keep the, the, the lineup of, of coaching, of coaches that speak at the clinic pretty consistent. And, and this year, I, I've really tried to branch out and, and bring in some different coaches, and I'm really excited about the lineup we have this year. I have the head coach of St. Thomas Aquinas College in Spark Hill, New York, which is one of the best Division II basketball programs in the country. And he's renowned. You know, Tobin Anderson is, is one of the best coaches in the country, period. And he's renowned for his defense, and, and he's going to bring so much to our clinic. And Coach Jonathan Jones from Princeton is an assistant coach. He's going to come down and speak. Marlon Guild from Riders, Ryder University, Division One. He's going to come down and speak. Uh, one of my friends, Ryan Highland from John Jay College, is going to come down to speak. He's the head coach there. You know, uh, um, Missy Traversi is a really successful women's head basketball coach at Adelphi University. She's going to come down and speak. And 
the, the lineup, I, I can't be more proud of the lineup we've put together for the coaching clinic this year because I know that it's going to, you know, only bring value to, to the coaches that, you know, either attended in person or register and get a video afterward. And, you know, it would be a really good situation for them to, to go into the season. And as I alluded to earlier, a lot of the coaching clinics in the, in the country are super expensive, $7,500. I just saw one that USA Basketball is running this weekend in New York for $185. And they have, without a doubt, you know, a really good lineup of famous coaches coming to speak. But I, I really think that, you know, I charge $25 per coach for my coaching clinic. And I, I would put the, the the quality of my coaching clinic that we've, we've put together over the last four years up, you know, up against any coaching clinic that's out there just in terms of the quality of coaches that come to speak and, and what what coaches get out of it, and uh, you know, I I hope that more coaches are are open to learning and 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 coming down because that's what it's all about. You know, yeah. as great as it is to as great as it is to raise some money for our program, so that you know we don't have to ask too much of our of our players' families from a you know from a contribution standpoint. You know, it, it pales in comparison to the to the networking opportunities and the, the opportunities to to learn at the clinic every year. And I know that. I do a lot of running around in the first like hour of the clinic, getting everyone situated, making sure everybody's okay, and all my managers are set up and um, bouncing off the walls for the, the beginning of the clinic. And I barely get to even do more than introduce the first speaker. But I know that after things settle down, I'm just as excited to sit down and, and learn from the guys that are the guys and the and now Coach Diversity being our first women women's coach this year, and I'm just as excited to learn from them as any coach that you know is at that clinic. Fantastic, Coach. And, and here again, for anybody listening, uh, it's at St. Thomas Aquinas in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, it's on Monday, October 14th. Uh, it's the fourth annual basketball yeah, yeah, the basketball coaches clinic. And, uh, you know, coaches, if you, if you have the time, I know you've got the money, $25. That's not a lot. <laughs> so I would say, coaches, make your way out there, especially if you're in the area, and be a part of this. Uh, here again, not just as a fundraiser, but as trying to grow the game and build other coaches up. You know, here again, that's the whole point of this podcast is to provide a platform where coaches are helping coaches and uh, just kind of building relationships and networks and, and all that so we can see the game get better and grow the game. So, Coach, kind of, you know, here again, a culmination of everything we've talked about, who you are, what you've done, uh, how you've look to make an impact in children's lives as well. Uh, that's all huge, man, because it really mirrors what I've done in my career. Uh, I've done the PE coach uh, gig for years. I did it, and uh, and I still love doing it at times. Uh, and I say at times because now I'm moving more into the administrative role, uh, but I get what you're saying. There's a large spectrum of people that you can impact, not just the high school kids that you coach, but you know, you can touch the lives of little ones too, and it's just, it's amazing when you have that opportunity. And and uh, so I would think you are kind of cognizant and aware of what you're doing on a daily basis and how you're leaving an imprint in people's lives in general. So I would say, Coach, what would you want your legacy to be? You know, as a working legacy because you're still young, still got a lot of time in this thing. Uh, where would you want your legacy to be down the road? Um, that's a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I think that 
I think that it's important that, you know, whatever you're doing in life, you're doing with the, the purpose and you're knowing your why. And I think that it's really important for people to find ways to make a positive impact on whatever they're doing. There's far too many people that are doing things that they don't love or doing things for, because other people said that they should do them and, and things like that. So I always want to be a proponent of change and and be someone that people that can rely on and, you know, that they can trust and, and everything that goes with that. You know, people that I know in the basketball circuits are always asking me, like, when am I going to get back to college? And if that's, you know, some, there are some people that I know that think that I'm wasting my time, that I'm not doing the best that I could do in terms of, you know, I, I coach at a small B division school in Brooklyn, New York, when I, I could be, you know, other places and doing other things. And I think at times I, I felt that way as well. And I think as I've gotten older, I, I've learned that, you know, my purpose is to be wherever I'm supposed to be at and be where my feet are. Yeah, and I've really tried to hold on to that, and especially this last, you know, this last couple of years. And I, I mentioned it before, like, you know, Coach DJ Tibbs is a really good friend of mine, and and he 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 told me something over this this year at the Final Four, and he was like, you know, your resume has to be more than transactional; it has to be a, more something of creation, and like whatever you created, and and you know whatever you built, and I that really something with me it resonated with me and I really wanted to be someone that you know created something positive wherever I've been at you know I have so many you know, mentors and, and and coaching and the teammates that I've had uh, one of my best friends Tommy Guerin is the head coach at Manhattan Community College now and he's won two consecutive championships and is doing tremendous things early in his career and I'm just seeing him be so successful and how hungry he is every day and the passion he brings to his job and, and trying to keep getting better, it's only inspiring me to be better. And I, I always want to, I always want to be somebody that, you know, is, is creating something positive and, and, and striving to be the best version of myself. And if my legacy is to be someone who impacted a great number of lives and is remembered as a, as a coach and a, and a mentor and a friend that people can rely on that's more than enough for me. And I don't I don't need to, to change, you know, a lot of the choices that I've made or anything like that. I I'm very happy with where I'm at in terms of, you know, professionally and coaching and I just wanna be someone that the legacy can be defined by the people that speak of me. You know, whatever whatever ilk that is, you know, hopefully it's but hopefully there's more people speaking positively than negatively. Um yeah, but uh, I just want my legacy to be something that you know I, I try to create. I try to create change and and be a positive impact in people's lives, and and people are better for having you know been a part of the basketball programs I've been involved in, or the, the classes that I taught, or anything like that. I just want to to be positive, and like I said, so much of that ties into. I think that teaching was was meant to be my calling because you know my mother did it and. It just felt natural to me, and it always has. So, um, I just want to be—I just want to create positive, positive impact in people's lives. Wonderful, coach. Yeah, good stuff, man. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really feeling where you're coming from, and yeah, no, where you're at is a perfect place to do all that. Quite honestly, so, coach, 
I thank you for your time. I really do. Thank you for making the time. I'm glad we were able to make it happen. We took a shot at yesterday. Things kind of fell through, but on my end. Uh, so I just hear again, I thank you for coming on, and I appreciate your time. I'm, I'm honored to have been on the podcast, and I look forward to listening to the future coaches, and I actually have to do a better job of catching up with the past podcast as well. But yeah. uh, it's, all, it's my list of things to do, especially before the season, because like yeah. you said about before, it's part of preparing. That's part of preparing the off season is to is to keep learning. So I, I have to. I've gone through a good number of the podcasts on the Creative Coaching Podcast, but I, I still have to catch up with some of them. Yeah, make some time, Coach. Okay, we <laughs> make, <laughs> pro- try it. Prioritize, buddy. Prioritize. <laughs> but no, Coach. I'm trying. <laughs> easy to easy to say, harder to do. Yeah, man. no <laughs> joke, no joke, man. So here again, Coach. I appreciate your time, man. I really do. All right, Coach. Thank you for having me. for listening to the creative coaching podcast know that you are appreciated so please take the time to listen to us on anchor apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher you can also follow us on twitter at creative coach 47 here again yeah, all of this i thank you for please leave a rating subscribe follow leave feedback uh, this is your platform so you know take ownership of it and here again you are appreciated so thank you 